Welcome to the Running After 40 podcast, the podcast about all things related to running at 40 and beyond, produced by www.runningwithgrit.com. We help you stay physically healthy and emotionally strong at any running pace. I'm Sarah, your host, and a wife, a full-time working mom with three kids, three dogs, and a lifetime passion for running. Whether you are a veteran runner looking to maximize your times as a master runner or a brand new jogger starting in your 40s, 50s, or any age, this podcast will be there for your journey. I want to share stories, secrets, and strategies for success. This includes mistakes and lessons learned, all related to running past age 40. Let's hit the play button together and hit the roads as runners with grit after age 40. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Running After Age 40 podcast. Today I have an old friend uh, and colleague that I worked with. I think actually it came up in my Facebook memories today that we were uh, coming back from our work meeting where, Angie, you might remember this. I don't know. We were there and I actually had to fire my nanny from the meeting. We were in Atlanta because like a friend had called me and said she was drinking on the job. So it's just funny because it was someone that I worked with at that time. And I remember we were, I had to give like a post, I had just come on board and I had to like give a talk to show that I was worthy or whatnot. But anyway, it's just funny how people come into your life and you remember them. And Angie is super fast, super smart, and just a super uh, nice friend. So thank you for coming on, Angie. And I will pass it over to you to just give a quick introduction and share what you'd like to share about yourself, your family, and your uh, passion for sports. Sure. Thanks. First of all, thanks for having me on and and you're too kind (laughs) with your intro, but um, a little bit about me. Um, You and I are in the same profession, which, which I love and I greatly miss working with you, but, but much like you, I I grew up in Iowa, um, did undergrad there. And then I headed North to Minnesota where I went to grad school. And then I think like every other typical Midwesterner, I thought the idea of a perpetual summer sounded awesome. So I moved to Arizona and I was there, geez, for maybe not quite 10 years. Um, And then I learned too much of a good thing is in fact too much for me. So I I headed north again and um, that's where I still am. I'm in Park City, Utah, um, which I chose for lifestyle reasons and and we can we can talk about that but um that's where I, I still am and it's beautiful right now um and uh yeah I've, I've never gotten to go to Park City. Uh, there was a meeting there during COVID that I was originally supposed to attend. But um, next time, hopefully, I'll be able to attend and then we can actually meet in person. That would be really fun. I've heard it's gorgeous. So tell me about it is. How, it's amazing. Yeah. how did you originally get it? I know you do a lot of biking, too. But how did you originally get into, let's just say, fitness, running and all the things? That's a great question. And, and in preparation for this, I, I had to do a lot of reflecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess growing up, I grew up with two brothers and, and my father. So very much a, a boy world and um, team sports were really emphasized. Um, so that was a, the majority of my growing up was participating in, in team sports, which I think have their own merits. But, but I also remember my father, who was working full-time and raising us kids and um, yada, 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 he would often um, escape to go for a run. 
mm-hmm. or she would walk to work some days. And I remember thinking, oh, that's kind of cool. So I just kind of picked it up as well in, in high school. And I, I, I really think it was just seeing him do it that sort of piqued my interest. And, and I do remember doing a few runs with him. Um, and it just sort of took off from there in, in undergrad as you're more pressed for time, but you still want to be active. And, and I think it, it spiraled from there because then you forge friendships mm-hmm. with people that like to do the same thing. So all of a sudden the run became less about fitness and more about socializing with your friends. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of how it took off. Yeah, I I love the social part. So I feel like when I started to think about doing this podcast, I thought about all the different people that I've met just through running. And it was like remarkable. It's it's such a mindset and you have like an immediate bond with people. And it's I, I just feel like it's not like anything else. I remember meeting you guys like early in the morning. We had a whole bunch of us at UCB that would sometimes meet up, you know, and like, how else could you do that? All, all of a sudden you're new to a company and maybe you don't even work in the same department, but, you know, you're able to go for an hour run and meet somebody that you otherwise wouldn't have. You're exactly right. And I and I do have to say, because I do do uh, multiple sports even yeah. now that the friendships you create running are unmatched. And yeah. and there's some reasons for that, be it logistical or what have you, but there's just something special about your running friends. I think so too. I don't know if it's like the conversation, because the crazy conversations that you get into, you know, there's something about going for a run that the conversation just is so real and not superficial. I think it just gets to a deeper connection, but just more about you. How about some of your proudest moments? It might be running. It might be more into the biking realm, but I know you have a lot of successes. Oh, um, gosh, proudest moment. That's, that's hard for me. I guess, I guess I think a little bit differently um, about that question, not so much from an individual aspect, but I just reflect every, every place I've lived, um, I have a different athletic experience. And I think back to my time in Arizona. And I think back to the people that I trained with every day. And it was just so exemplary of how women can help other women. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were a lot of us who had full time careers, some of us had kids, I didn't yet at that time. Um, but we accommodated each other's schedules. I mean, I remember some ungodly runs at 3am because I had an early flight. Mm-hmm. And we just supported one another in that way. And, and we were all very similar athletic capabilities. So sometimes Someone would beat me the other time I would beat them, but we were always just really encouraging of each other. And I guess I'm really proud of that group that we had because, you know, being a female in athletics, you don't always get that amongst other females. And I just, I'm really proud of that group that we had that fostered that mentality of lifting each other up. Yeah. Do you remember when we went on that run in Minneapolis and I was able to meet like we went and met one of your old friends. That was really cool. Like we drove to a specific place. We were downtown Minneapolis, but we drove to a different place. Yes, I totally remember that. We were, we ran the lakes and I even yes. remember which friend we, we went to meet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So cool. It's things like that, that like, you know, we made different connections that we wouldn't have been able to. So what are you doing now? Like, what are you doing now for workouts, fitness? Um, 
Oh, um, so I guess I'm not, I, I used to be sort of your stereotypical runner where it was all consuming and all I wanted to do every day was run and get faster and whatever. And, and, uh, I, I had a, uh, an injury that sort of forced my hand to look outside of, of running. So that's when I took up cycling and I even met my significant other doing that. So, um, I sort of seem to oscillate during the year, what I do based on the seasonality and sort of where I am mentally. So I just spent this summer, um, doing a lot of cycling and particularly okay. mountain biking is, is a passion. And, and when I think about that too, I think I like it because it emulates running in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I'm just kind of wrapping up mountain biking. It's getting cold. We got a dusting of snow yesterday. Um, but this year I I've made, made sure that I've run at least one day a week mm-hmm. just to kind of keep the, the, you know, we talk about bone density and things like that. I, that's super important to me as I, as I age. So keeping that up, but also kind of what we spoke about, just maintaining that connection with my running friends. Um, there's one woman I run with, um, every weekend and I just, I, I like to maintain running so we can keep a connection and keep up with each other's lives and our kids' lives and and what have you. So right now I'm smattering in a little bit of running, but it seems like, um, in the fall, I start to transition to kind of my running season. First Mm -hmm. of all, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I, I mean, our leaves here are insane. So yeah. that makes you want to get out. But I also, um, in the winter, I'm a big, big fan of Nordic skiing. And I find that running, building up my running helps me prepare so much for Nordic skiing, Nordic skiing season. Cause it's just so physically demanding, much like running oh. is. I've, I've never done it, but I've, I can't, I can't imagine that it's incredibly difficult when you do your runs. Are they off-road? Like, are they dirt or what kind of trails are you on? Good question. So, you know, a little bit of both is, okay. is the short answer. Um, I have friends that prefer one or the other. I, see. I do like getting on dirt. I think it's easier on my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I think you know about me. I just love to climb stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and, sure. and, and so it's a great way to get a couple thousand feet of climbing is head mm-hmm. up the dirt trail. And, mm-hmm. and in park city, we have over 400 miles of single track dirt. So it's literally outside my door. If I seek it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, you know, I'm back in Iowa and we don't have that luxury, but I do have somewhere where I can drive pretty short distance and get on dirt. And it's just so much better for my body. And I, I found with COVID especially that it was like time for me in nature just was so important. I, it never had been that way. I don't know. I just needed the quiet. And um, so I didn't run with people like I used to during that time, but it was like, it was therapy for me in a way that I hadn't experienced before. I completely agree. I think it engages a lot of different muscles and it has mm-hmm. to kind of keep you focused because your footing is so much more um, unsure. So right. yeah, I completely, completely agree. So I was like you too, like all consuming about the running and, you know, faster times and just the workouts and, you know, and then I made this transition where that just wasn't going to happen anymore, you know, I, and I had to figure out like, how was I going to change my mindset about it so that I was just going to be grateful for what I could do? Like, how did you deal with that transition? 
Oh, that's a really good question. And I would, I would argue, I still struggle with that a little bit Mm -hmm. um, because we're very type A and we, and, and I'm the type of person, if I do something, I want to do it well. Yeah. But, you know, especially during COVID, I found that my motivation really had to come from within and Mm -hmm. that changes daily. So like, I have to figure out what motivates me every day. Is there a route that motivates me a workout? And I oscillate between the two. And I think in within doing that, I kind of found joy in mm. in sports again, just not so focused on, you know, I need to do this at this time at this pace. It was mm-hmm. just like, you know what, getting out is a win. Yes. And when I kind of check check my box of this was my goal today, it's really gratifying. Yeah, I like that. I like it like not being so long-term oriented goal setting, you know, but just more like just the short term, just taking it day by day and kind of getting it done. And I think it's just being a mom and working and especially like you said, COVID, like it was really important. We talked about this a little before we started the recording, but just like taking time for ourselves. And do you want to, do you want to address how that it's kind of transformed you too? Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, I, you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I'm, uh, first of all, super grateful you're doing one, but there's another one because of my um, exuberance for, for Nordic skiing mm-hmm. called Nordic Nation. And, and recently they had two women on there who started a, an organization called Moms Matter Now. And, and really the gist of it is, is making sure you take care of yourself so that you can take care of the child. Yeah, and and the whole precedent is, you know, a lot of a lot of the education that we're given as mothers is how to take care of our children. What's the best way, and not as much focus on how to take care of us as moms to make sure that we're our best self. And so that really, really hit home. Um, mm-hmm. I made that realization. It was a little bit of a rocky <laughs> mm-hmm. realization, but it was. I'm not my best self, unless I get sort of that, you know, vinegar out of me on a daily basis and just do something for me that feels good. And, and it just transform transforms your whole mentality, I think. I think so too. And it's not selfish. You know, I think that uh, sometimes people look at it like you're, (laughs) you're taking that time and it's selfish and it's like the absolute opposite of it. And when you hit that realization, I think it's a a really good thing. You know, I used to apologize kind of for having to leave the kids and going to work out. And now I'm like, no, I I celebrate it. And I love the story you tell about your dad, because that's what I hope that my kids remember that like I did take the time and that it was not it wasn't just to be skinny or to, you know, run faster. It was because of the mental, if we move our bodies, we just feel better and we are our better selves. So I, I try to live that. Completely agree. Completely agree. Yeah. What are you doing to keep, you already mentioned like bone density, but just to stay injury free, try to keep your body healthy. Like, are you doing certain exercises, certain nutrition habits, uh, anything like that you recommend? Great, great question. So it sort of evolved. Um, I was fortunate in that when I took up running, I also discovered yoga. Mm-hmm. So in, in grad school, before yoga was even really in vogue, um, I 
I realized I loved it. And it, and I also just organically realized that it helped my running. So I've done yoga since, gosh, it was probably 2003. So I I feel like that helps. But, but as I've gotten older, um, sometimes I feel like it's just not quite enough. Mm -hmm. So really within the last six to nine months, I've, I've transitioned. Um, I've started seeing, uh, a PT Mm -hmm. and I, I would, I would say he's more like my trainer now. And and really what we're doing is addressing vulnerabilities that have occurred in my body somewhat as a result of just our our gender. We have a predisposition for body posture just based on being male and female and how we carry our weight, but also some of my own biomechanics. Yep. And and what that's done is created some some vulnerabilities for for injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we're doing is a lot of muscle isolation exercises to address those. Um, and so I meet with him every week. Um, a lot of it is just kind of, like I said, a, a trainer where he stretches me out, but it provides me a great time to talk about, am I doing the exercises right? Should I be doing more or less different? Here's what I'm feeling this week. Um, I tend to oscillate between my piriformis flaring up and my TFL flaring up. And Mm -hmm. so for example, last week, um, all summer, we, we have worked on building up my glute medius, which Mm -hmm. has helped, um, my TFL, but now my piriformis is getting angry. So now we're working on glute max isolation exercises. And so I just feel like I was late to the party with this. I feel like it's so, so important and I'm begging this guy and I have to give him props, Sean Adams at Mount Top Physical Therapy here in Park City, to please start like a functional training class yes. for female athletes because we're a lot of us are having these same vulnerabilities that really should be addressed if you plan on being active. Yeah. And like you said, if we would have had that when we were younger, you know, when you're younger, you can just kind of (laughs) go, but it does catch up. And then those habits and like you said, the posture and the different um, muscle firing. I mean, it's like trying to retrain those um, muscles is so difficult. So uh, kudos to you. I, I, I've tried to find someone like that a couple of times and I've joined a couple of years ago, I had a, a trainer similar to that, but he moved away. And it's a good reminder to, to keep that up. I have a, um, I do a virtual training thing once a week with a person that is great. Her name is Miranda. Um, and at least then it gives me like ideas for the week and, and whatnot. But I like the idea of actually going to someone to focus on the specific things. Uh, what about the nutrition? Yeah. Aspect? Um, so I've always, I've always oscillated with this too. So just to set the precedent, that's my undergrad degree. So it's always been a passion of mine. Yep. And I feel like I understand the fundamentals of good nutrition. And I seem to oscillate between obeying them and not. <laughs> and I think it, it comes down to my bandwidth. Like it takes energy yes. to eat clean and eat well. And, you know, at this point, I've got a very busy and active six-year-old work is incredibly busy. You got to fit in your exercise every day. And I just feel like I've sort of lapsed because of my bandwidth is, is short right now. Um, But I under, again, I under, I know what I need to do. And I feel like at any point I can clean it up if I need to, but Mm -hmm. I don't have special tricks other than, you know, when a lot of people ask me, I tend to recommend um, make sure you get 
at least five servings of fruits and vegetables every day, which sounds easy, but mm-hmm. in in practice, it can be really difficult, especially when you're always eating on the go or just yeah. only eating what you're when you're hungry. And by then you're hangry. So you grab the first thing. So, um, you know, when I when I have the bandwidth, I do really like to focus on it. I do love to cook. Um, so that's helpful, too, is just and I I'm not alone that during COVID, there's been an extra emphasis on home cooking. So that's been super fun. So I tend to really enjoy cooking really nutritious meals. But as far as like a secret sauce, I don't have it. And I frankly, I don't think you need it. It's just some very fundamental, basic concepts that you can abide by that will just improve how you feel in general, let alone your athletic endeavors. Yeah, I like the simple, yeah, the the simple kind of just route to it, not making it so complicated. And all these diets out there, I think there's not one that's any of them I would pick. It's just basic fundamentals, like you said. And I think you you mentioned having the six year old. I think you know my kids are older now, and I'll tell you, like, it's a lot easier. <laughs> I mean, in different ways, <laughs> the, the struggle is different. Like the you know the the stress is different, but things like getting dinner on the table are a lot easier per se, because they just start, can help with that kind of stuff. So give yourself grace at that age and just be, you know, be glad that you're getting the, the fitness part in. And then, you know, the, I'm, I, I don't know, I guess I just feel like there's different phases of our life that we want to focus on different things too. So great advice. I don't even know that it's advice. It's just like real experience. Right. I remember, uh, you know, when, when my kids were little, it was, you know, we did a lot of takeout. We still do too much takeout. You know, it's something I'm trying to work on, but uh, yeah, we did a lot too. We did way too much processed food and I'm trying to get away from that, but um, it's, it's funny because it's a habit for the kids to get out of too. So uh, it's something we've, we've improved really? on and we just continue to try what, um, you already mentioned, it's I've got, yeah, I've got the, um, the Nordic nation. Do you have any other, I guess, podcasts, books that you recommend, any apps that you use gear that you can't live without just like the tools that make you, you. Ooh, um, yes. Uh, so I'm a scientist by training. So that takes up about 99% of my podcast feeds are are science related. Uh (laughs) Um, but as far as athletics are concerned, um, I mentioned Nordic nation has been pretty good for me. Um, and then it's sad to admit, but as far as social media is concerned, really the only one that I do, um, with steadfast, uh, exuberance is is Strava. And it goes back to what, what inspires me on Mm -hmm. a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's seeing routes that other people have done. Um, and and honestly, that's, that's a lot of times what gets me out of the door seeing their pictures. Um, you know, example, like I mentioned that the fall here is just simply stunning. And yesterday was really, really hard to get out the door, but I see other people that have been out already and there's dusting of snow on the ground. You're like, Oh, I got to go see that. Uh So like, really that's, that's one of my main, main tools, I guess, to keep me inspired. And, and I would be lying if I didn't say I I didn't use it to kind of measure where I'm at Uh um, individually. 
Yeah. But it's, I'm finding as I get older, it's becoming less and less about that and more just about, okay, what are some cool things people are doing? How can I get it out today? Yeah, I like that. Can I try to tell my kids that too? Like social media can be helpful if you find one, you know, maybe it, it is one thing that you're looking for on there that people can motivate you. And if it's, if you're finding that the social media is you're looking at and you're looking at, oh, they just did that race and it, it makes you feel bad, then you need to just get off of it and <laughs> find one Completely. that can lift you up and motivate you. Cause I do. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. And, and I would say, I would recommend if people do use it, if you're ever hurt, uh, injured, mm-hmm. or you can't get out, don't look at it. Don't look at it. Cause it makes you feel thousand times worse <laughs> by, by, if you're, if you have to miss something. So it can be a double-edged sword for sure. That's so true. It's like when you couldn't run or bike and like you drive by someone that is, and you're just like, oh. and then social media makes it like, amplified by a thousand right totally because you're seeing the best of, yes. of you know yes. the, these awesome pictures and amazing effort and yeah uh-huh. yeah completely yeah. agree do you we already kind of talked about how you're making your daily goals do you have anything in mind for let's say the na- next 10 years maybe 20 years or do you not even think that way um the only time I think about that way is so it's it's kind of funny. We have a local nonprofit trails organization that build and maintain our trails here. And they have a mantra that my garage is my trailhead. And so I repeat that I refuse to drive my bike anywhere. And even if that means riding my bike 45 minutes to get to the trail I want to get on, I still do it. And in my mind, I think I'll reserve driving my bike when I'm 60 or 70. (laughs) So that's, you know, I feel I've been sort of seizing, like you can do it now. So you should. Uh And, and where I live too, I've got a a thousand foot climb every time I come home. So that, you know, so I, I really have to make sure, like, I realize that there's going to come a time in my life where this is unpalatable. Um, so I'm really trying to focus on the now and being grateful for what I can do now and having a plan when I can't anymore. It's okay. You can drive with your bike, but mm-hmm. again, I just prefer to not right now. Yeah, that's, I, I love that. I, I need to come up with something like that, like to think in the future, you know, I'm not going to be able to maybe accomplish that then, but for now, I, I like that. And what did you say? My garage is my trailhead is the mantra of the local nonprofit. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. That's, that's yeah. So and, and again, I'm super, I, I know that I'm super lucky. I mean, Hey, I've lived in Iowa. I know yeah. what limitations we have. Um, but where I'm at now, again, for over 400 miles of single track, the closest one to me is a half a mile down my street. So I really try to seize upon that. Absolutely. I, I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's just awesome to connect. And I just remember all the fun, speedy, sometimes really hard, like morning runs that we would do. Um, but I look back on those times and they were some of my favorite work moments. So I, I appreciate you. Completely agree. I, and I, and I hope that we get to do it again in the future. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Thanks, Angie. Thank you. Take care. You too.
Thanks for listening to the Running After Age 40 podcast. If you like the show, please be sure to rate and give us a like in iTunes. Also check out our website, www.runningwithgrit.com for all things related to running over the age of 40. We have a special gift guide up for the holidays on the site designed to share stocking stuffer ideas and gifts for runners at pretty much every price. Thanks for listening.